So I want to talk a couple of minutes about changing your perspective. And today we're going to get a little more practical after I remind everybody what we've been sharing the last couple of weeks. We opened up in Proverbs 29, verses 18. In the King James Version, it says, Where there's no vision, the people perish, but he that keeps the law happy is he. Then in the Passion Translation, the Proverbs 29, 18 verse says this, Where there's no clear prophetic vision, so it's not just eyesight. It's seeing beyond our natural situation and circumstance. But where there's no clear prophetic vision, people quickly wander astray. But when you follow the revelation of his word, heaven's bliss fills your soul. That's why you talk to a lot of people. Say, How are you doing? Everything all right? Ah, la misma cosa de siempre. Same old, same old. You know, you know th that people are just like that. Because they have no vision. A person of vision is always excited. Actually, after a while, it's enough already. Wow, you're jumping off the walls for crying out loud. Calm down. Like, Tony, you said that yesterday. Calm down. You were very funny yesterday. You, you should have been, you should have like a side gig. Either commentator or comedian or both at the same time. Comedic commentator. But, you know, you also brought your A game. So where the people have no clear prophetic vision, they're all over the place. Job said this, I heard you by the hearing of my ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I abhor myself and I repent in dust and ashes. When he saw beyond his normal scope of what he thought God to be, when he saw what God really was, he said, oh my God. Uh, you know, I repent. That's what happens. When you really, really meet God, you repent. That's, it. That's what happens. A person says that, knows that, that they know God, but you see no repentance, they haven't met God. They haven't met God. A person that says they, that they have seen angels, but yet they didn't, they didn't tell you that they felt dead right there at the moment, or just like if they were dead, they haven't seen angels. You know, they might have had a dream where they saw some apparition, but if a, an angel appears before you, I guarantee you, you're not going to say, Oh, Gabe, what's up? <laughs> You're not going to say that. You will fall as a dead man. Your, 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 the energy in your body will leave because it's so ominous and so precious. The word perspective, perspective change your perspective. It, it's the capacity to view things and its interrelation with everything around you, you know, as you compare everything around you. It's, uh, it, you view and value your life and your purpose based on your current belief and perspective about who you are and what you believe you're here for. In Facebook, a couple of people, a pe couple of people call me false prophet because of that. Yeah, they actually call me false prophet. And so I don't argue with them anymore. I realize it's a waste of time to argue with people that jump the gun and don't hear your message and want to criticize you right away. Because they, they have a bent in their head and you're not going to change it by just saying one paragraph or two. I tried it, I know. So I, I no longer, I just, delete, I love that button. Delete, delete, delete. I really appreciate it, yeah. So, the truth is that we see ourselves in a certain way. It's just the way it is. That's why Jesus had to say to his men or servants, what do you see? What do you see? What do you want? Do you want me to heal you? Remember the, the man that he went up to in uh, John chapter 5? Yes. Do you want to be made whole? Jesus just shows up. And he says, oh, I, I can't. Why? Because every time I'm going to throw myself in the water, since there's nobody here to help me because I'm alone, 
you know, somebody gets in there first. His perspective was skewed. Meanwhile, God was saying, I'm here to interrupt that process. Do you want to be made whole? But he couldn't, you know, understand it because of the way he thought. God's people of old. Uh, God says, take Canaan land, it's yours. And what, what did they say? We can't. Why? Because they're giants in there, and they're a lot larger than us, and they'll devour us. That was their perspective. And because that was their perspective, they could not enter in. Unfortunately. But yet Joshua and Caleb says, what doesn't make a difference? There'll be food for us. God said it, we can do it. See, they, they held God's word higher than their emotion or their own personal perspective. Therefore, their perspective shifted. They saw what God saw. Okay? So it's important that we address this issue. And what is vision? Vision could be a dream. It could be a divine revelation. It could be a prophetic uh, picture, a prophetic snapshot. So vision is important because vision is the ability to see inside within you your purpose unfolding or a picture of the finished product so that you could compare yourself to it and begin to prepare yourself to operate in that future. Amen. When God shows you a prophetic picture, what he's telling you is just get ready for that. Because that's already in you. Because when God made mankind, he already put everything in them yes. in DNA form. Mm -hmm. He put it in potential form. See, we, we are always busy and we're always very disciplined in various areas. How many of you go to work every week? Why don't, why don't you skip, maybe skip a week or two? Just show up. What happened? Why are you laughing? Therefore, you've developed a discipline to get to work. What time do you start work? Seven. Six thirty. Oh. Uh. So that means you've got to get up at like four or something like that, right? Four, four thirty? Three thirty. Three thirty. Wow. Well, he's a military man, so I understand that. Yeah, but you develop disciplines. And all of you are disciplined because we have to, right? But the problem is, is that we think that we're undisciplined. Uh, you know, I, I can't do things like that. Yes, you can. You just have to catch something that you haven't been seeing yet. Make it a priority. Why do you go to work? Because it's a priority. You have to, right? Right? So we have to start shifting what we see as a priority. Whatever's a priority, you'll act on. Whatever's not a priority, eh. Right? So our vision allows us to create the priorities. Because if I'm preparing myself to be that, then that means I can't be here, I can't be there, I can't be all over the place anymore. I have to focus on that. And we know that because Jesus was that way. Jesus, he worked his purpose. He, he was actually, in John 18, 37, um, Pilate tells him, Therefore, he said to him, are you a king then? And Jesus answered, you rightly say that I am a king. For this cause I was born. And for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everybody who hears, who is of the truth, hears my voice. See, he knew his purpose. Therefore, when it was time to be in Jerusalem, that's where he was at. He couldn't be somewhere in Emmaus in a party. He couldn't be somewhere else hanging out or taking a cruise because he was on assignment. So people that have a vision are on assignment. Yeah, yeah. There is always a time to celebrate, but people on assignment don't have superfluous things going around. But they, they, they crystallize their time. The night before, they prepare the day. The month before, they prepare their month. The year before, they're already preparing the next year. 
Why? Because they are people on assignment. This is vital because we act, live, and make decisions, and even feel based on our belief about ourselves. Our perspective about ourselves helps to shape our future and destiny. And this is why we need to change our perspective. God frequently spoke to his servants. Remember Abraham, look at the stars and the sand. That's how I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you with children, grandchildren, progeny. I'm going to bless you. Look at the sand. Look at the stars. So what was God doing? He was giving him a vision to see how large the scope of blessing he was going to receive. So he was training Abraham to see beyond his current situation and circumstance. And that was important because Abraham was about ready to go into Canaan and walk that land. And in Canaan, there were very dangerous people, vicious people, people that were very worldly. And so he was a man that was walking with God that was about ready to go into a place that was filled with heathen. And he says, that's where I'm going to bless you. And when he showed up there, God spoke to him again. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you land. I'm going to give you children. I'm going to, I'm going to bless you. Right? Moses, what do you have in your hand? When did, he tell, when did he ask him that question? Huh? When he was by the sea. Yes, yes. His back was against the wall. The enemy is about ready to come to devour them. And the people of God are saying, okay, Moses, you took us out, what, to die? Because that's the way people are. Immediately, they'll criticize you. If your decision doesn't work out too well, well, what do you have to say to yourself now? Right? So God said, what do you have in your hand? In other words, I've already equipped you. Activate what you have. What do you have in your hand? He tells uh, Joseph, uh, I'm going to bless you, and people are going to bow before you. See, vision. God always trained his men through visions. He trained them to see beyond. Joshua, see, I've already given you Jericho. Yeah, Jericho was shut up. Nobody could get in or out unless Jericho wanted. Because they had wall, it was a walled city. You know, complete with the moat and everything. You couldn't get in there. Impossible. But God. And God told Joshua, before he ever took Jericho, I've already given it to you. Wow. So what is God already telling you that you already have and that you already possess that you haven't possessed yet. He'll always give it to you in vision format first, but it's up to us to see it, to embrace it, and to start walking in it and preparing ourselves. I've told you this countless times for those that might be hearing it for the first time. What I've done is whenever God gives me a vision about myself, I receive a prophetic word or a dream or a snapshot, what I'll do is I'll enter that future state that God showed me and I look at it. Okay, what am I doing? How am I talking? Who am I hanging out with? See? And I said, mm, okay. Take a report, a mental report. Then come back. Then I go, okay, now I know exactly what I need to do to become that. That God showed me. Remember when God spoke to us? Right here, brought the prophet. The, the, the prophet has said this. The prophet has said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless this church with the internet. I'm going to bless this church with 5,000 people, right, that are going to watch us on TV. Like, mm, or, or rather through the internet. Hmm, wow, okay, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So I thought about that. I meditated on that prophetic snapshot. So what do I have to do now, and what does this church have to do in order for us to minister to 5,000 people in the internet or through the internet? How do you do that? 
So you walk into the future. Okay. This is what I'm seeing. Equipment. I'm seeing partnerships. I'm seeing I got to go back to school because I know nothing about this. I'm seeing that Julio's just about ready to become a very, very busy man. <laughs> right, Julio? Yeah, because he's going to have to develop teams. I see cameras, right? So we have one now, but in the future, this ministry will have somebody with a camera walking around. Why? Because you're here, so you see the full perspective. But a person that's seeing from, let's say, Texas, from North Carolina, South Carolina, wherever it may be, doesn't have the full picture. So it's, it's comforting to be able to see the standard picture, but also from time to time to see your faces, how you're reflecting or inflecting or worshiping, to feel a part of it, right? So we need A, B equipment to switch from camera A to camera B, right? We, we need better microphones. No, it, was a it wasn't the microphone. It's a nice mic. It was a battery. All right. Well, I agree. I agree that all of this has to change. Plus, we're going to need a studio. Yes. Yeah. Where's the studio? Where's the studio? No, I'm asking. Where's the studio? Oh, okay, okay, okay. In other words, in other words, it's not here yet, but it's in here. It's in us. See, so a person that catches a vision is a person that has patience understand it's going to happen. I don't have to make everything work at once. I just have to be conscious of what I need in yes. the future. See? So what did I do? I went back to school. I went back to school for a year and a half. I've been studying um, and thank God for Julio who's taught me a lot. But I also went to school, physical school, where I can actually sit down and they start teaching me about the internet, about Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and all that other stuff. Wow, what a different world. I'm a physical guy. I'm like you. I like fixing things, tinkering things. You can't fix that. <laughs> At least not the way we're used to. You know, I know Teflon tape, you know, three-quarter, one-and-a-quarter pipe. I, I understand that. Galvanized, black pipe, all that other stuff. I understand these things. Boilers, you got to have the right water level, right? It's just, it just doesn't compute. But I've been learning. I've been learning. Why? Because that's what God showed us. See? So this is something we have to capture. If we don't capture this, it'll take us by surprise. And season always comes, and season always has an attitude about itself. It doesn't come when you want it. It comes whenever it feels like it. Yeah, you have to be prepared for it. When it comes, if you're not ready for it, then what happens? Excuses. Oh, yeah, you know, I'm, it's, it's, what it is is that uh, uh, I'm not supposed to be doing that. Or maybe it wasn't God's will. Yes, it was. And God told you to get ready. You just weren't, you're not flowing with the program. Some of you right in here, you've done that. You've missed the season. That's okay. You know why? Season is circular. Season comes. And if you're not ready, you say, okay, I'll be back. The problem is it won't tell you when it'll come back. It could come back in two years, one year, six months. It could come back in a week. So if you miss the season, today God is saying, don't miss the next one. Start getting ready. Hallelujah. Come on, if you're going to praise him, praise him with all the gusto you can muster. So looking at these gentlemen, uh, what were these men's priorities? Abraham. Abraham, whenever he would go somewhere, he would always dig a well and he would always build an altar. 
And the, re the reason why he would uh, dig wells, very, very important, Genesis 13, th 3 and 4. And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to the place of the altar which he had made at first. And there Abraham called on the name of the Lord, Abraham dug his wells. And part of the commentary of that is that wells are very important because wells are significant in Palestine. Wells are significant, especially in these arid lands. Wealth comes from, or wealth comes from wells. A man that had a well was wealthy. A man that had a well was able to give water to other people, and he could charge for that. So therefore, he was a businessman. And nowadays, a well is very easy. Actually, you don't need a well. You go home, you turn on the water. But in those days, there was not excavating equipment like today. So what they would have to do is they would have to dig with their hands through limestone. And it was an arduous task, and it took a long time. Abraham knew the first thing he needed to do was build an altar and dig a well. Because that was part of his ability to be able to maintain his flocks. Whoever had a well was able to have flocks. And flocks was also a measure of wealth in that day. See, so he would take his time, dig that well. One time he fought with another guy because of a well. They were saying, no, we're taking over this area. So no, you're not. I'm the one that dug that well. And let's make an agreement between you and me. And let's agree that I'm the one that dug that well. And why did he fight about it so much? Because that signified part of your wealth. It would be the same thing as somebody coming to you and taking your bank account. Excuse me, I'm the one that worked this money. I'm the one that put it there, so it's mine. Right? So wealth signified, or rather, a well signified wealth. A well signified also that your animals were going to survive. So it was longevity. Also, wells in that region, wherever you see a well, you'll also see grass, trees. Yeah, like an oasis. And it would be a real oasis. Not something you just see with your mind. It was life. A well was life. So Abraham was a sharp businessman because he understood how to create finance in his day. What in your day, what creates finance? So some of the practical things that Abraham would do now is he would find out what is it that I can barter today to make money? What is it that I can use to be able to help somebody else? The well helped a lot of people. It was not just him and his horses and his family. It was everybody else that came to him. So it created life. So wherever Abraham went, he was known as a person that had the resource. Amen. Okay, you haven't got it yet. I'm about ready to give it to you now. Today, our generation wants people to give them resources. God wants to make you the resource. Amen. Amen. So one of the practical things that Abraham did is wherever he went, he decided, I'm going to be the resource. Amen. Well, that's easy to say. Um, yeah, and, and truly, it's harder to do. But why can't you be the resource? Why is it that you're waiting for the government to give you something? Why is it that you're waiting for your boss to give you everything? I'm not getting any amens right now. See, I'm messing with, with your mindset now. Abraham knew enough to create resource wherever he went. And the Bible says he became a very wealthy man. 
oh, you know, uh, why are you always talking about money? I'm not always talking about money. What I'm saying is that to change your perspective means you have to think on a different plane. You have to think in areas that you haven't thought before. In other words, our mind has been so set to think in a certain way that we can never break out of that. But God is saying in the year 2020, you have to break out because I'm ready to put resources in your hands. But if you can't think that way, you're going to take the resource and you're going to squander it. What, do, what does a person do when they first hit the lotto? They spend because they don't understand how to be an investor. Investors right now, you know what they're investing in? They're investing, obviously, real estate. They're also investing in the stock market, but not just any old thing. They're not picking one stock or anything like that. They're betting right in line with, with the standard stock market. Because it's not just ETFs, but an ETF that goes in line exactly. with the NASDAQ, with the, 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 what, the, the main one. But in other words, because it's going up. So you put your money to make money. These are practical things that we can do. And what happens is you put $300. At the end of the year, you have $400. If you put $3,000, at the end of the year, you have $4,000 or $5,000. Some of you have an IRA. You've, you've fought that, 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 that desire to use it, and you've left it there. And now it's growing and growing. Deferred compensation, yeah. It's called deferred compensation. You know what it's called? Discipline. Yes. Because most people take their phone one, use it, and have nothing. And they usually, usually use it in, in something that good today, tomorrow not needed. But that's the point. We don't think about the future. Abraham always thought about his future. Why? Because God told him, I'm going to bless you with children, grandchildren. I'm going to bless you with so much progeny. And he understood because he was a righteous man. A righteous man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. So he always prepared himself, not just for himself, but for his future. He helped his son get a wife. He was thinking future. God told him, I want you to focus on your future. Say to your neighbor, focus on your future. See? We don't think about that. We think about tomorrow only. Now. Oh, man, I, I, I need to get my cable TV. That's all we think about. And God is saying, I want you to think about your grandchildren. I want you to think about your great-great-grandchildren. What are you preparing for them? He always dug wells. So he created life. He became the resource. Say to your neighbor, I'm the resource. I'm the resource. You are. You have the spirit of God. You have the grace of God. You have the wisdom of God. You have the word of God. You have the anointing of God. Wherever you go, you should become the resource. We're moving 10, 10 minutes away from here. 10 minutes away from here. Yeah. Yeah, because I, you know, we live in, in like Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and that's like close to China. <laughs> So our drive is, <laughs> so, so we're, we're, gonna, we're getting a place that we're closer so I could be here more, right? Come right. on, you're going to make me lose my thought. <laughs> but here's the point, the point, the point. The point is that we're just moving in. We still have the bags in our hands. And the super comes to us, rightly so, and I, pray, I appreciate him. He said, listen, I'm not going to take anything from you. Because I keep, you know, I'm, I'm, I know what it, what it is to be a tenant. You do something for me, I want to give you something. But he says, no, 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 Ooh, no, no, you're a pastor. I'm not going to do it. Okay, if there's anything I can do, let me know. And he, he comes up to me, he says, I know what I need from you. He says, there's this lady upstairs that her daughters wake up at nighttime screaming. 
and they're seeing things and the dog barks, some weird, unusual stuff happening in our apartment. I says, I know exactly what that is, and I'm the resource. That's why I'm here. Right? So that, that's what we are. And I love it because he's bringing me, the superintendent, you know, you know a, a, a channel axe, can I help this situation? A drill, can I help this situation? So he's bringing somebody that he sees is the resource. So what am I going to do? I don't have time for that. No. I'm going to say, where's the apartment? Where's the apartment? Let's, let's, get, let's get at this. In the name of Jesus, that's right. Right. We're his representative. Yes, I, I don't go in my name. I go in his name. Yes. Right. 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 We are the resource. So wherever you go at work, you have to see yourself as the resource. You bring life. You bring health. You bring the water. Water is the word. Hallelujah. And then there's another thing that he did. Not only uh, did he uh, dig a well, but he also built altars. Altars, altars. Very important when you see altars. And he, he built uh, several different types of altars. In Genesis 12, he built an altar of praise. Hallelujah. Among the heathen, God blesses him. And he was so grateful, he built an altar. We all have to have an altar of praise. I mean, you have to become people of praise. Praise will destroy the enemy. Praise will confuse the enemy. In 2 Chronicles 2020, I mean, it's amazing how God sent his people in there praising into war. And God confused the enemy. By the time they got to the enemy's camp, they were all dead. And what were they doing? Praising God. In your moment of trouble, praise God. In your moment of confusion, praise God. In the moment that you get angry, start praising God. And watch the anger leave. In the moment when you're offended, praise God. We need to be people of praise. Whenever God puts us, God put them in a difficult situation. I'm sending you into Canaan. He's seeing the heathen. And then God reminded him, remember, I'm going to bless you. In that place, in that difficult place. He says, thank you, Lord. And, he, you know, he worshiped God and he praised God in the midst of his difficult, in, uh, difficulty. In the midst of a time where there was no promise, God says, I'm going to bless you. But meanwhile, he was going from tent to tent, from place to place, looking for that city. Hallelujah. And while we're looking for that blessing... I haven't got it yet. I'm still battling it. I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to continue praising until I see the answer. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Amen. And the second altar that he built was the altar of prayer. In, uh, also in Genesis 12, he prayed to God. He worshiped God. You know, when, as we're walking our journey, every day has to be a time of prayer. Prayer is not something that is only for the upper Christian elite who know how to pray. You know, it's not like, yay, uh, we worship you, almighty God, uh, creator uh, of heaven and earth. Uh, you know, <laughs> pray the way you pray. Amen. Father, I don't understand that. I'm confused. I'm hurt. I'm wounded. And so, Father, I come to you this day. Uh, I need for you to walk with me. I need for you to move in my life. I need for you to help me. That's communication. Prayer is talking to God, and, and God talks back to you. God will assure you with his word, and sometimes it will assure you just with a knowing on the inside. Sometimes he'll give you a dream. Sometimes somebody will come up to you and will also talk to you in response to your prayer. I remember one time I was sitting in my living room, and I was questioning God. 
said, God, am I supposed to give this up? You know, I, don't, I don't understand what's going on. It was a time I wasn't sure about my call. I wasn't sure. And I was saying, Lord, this belongs to you. I'll give it up if, if my season's over. Ring. I got a phone call. Yeah, hello. Uh, yeah, I was just praying for you, and the Lord said to tell you that wherever you go, he's with you. And if you leave, he'll bless you. But if you stay, your assignment's not over. Come on, people. God heard my prayer, and he responded. But he, he responded immediately. Yeah, but I've been praying, and God hasn't responded. No, he's responding. It's just that we have to walk with him. It's a journey. You don't get everything right away. Re remember Daniel? Daniel was praying, and he was getting no response. And he kept on fasting and praying. And what happened after the 21st day, an archangel shows up. He said, listen, the answer was sent the first day, but there's been spiritual warfare in the midst of it. But beloved, we come to send you and give you the answer. Here is what you've been requesting. God's heard your prayer. There's just warfare in the midst. And you have to work the process. You have to stand with God. You can't give up. You can't give in. The Bible says, after having done all, stand. So I'll tell your neighbor, it's time to stand. Our problem is we give up too easy. We give up too early. No, don't give up. Don't give in. Stand your ground. Hallelujah. One of the things I have to teach this, this lady when I come up there, I'm going to have to tell her. So first and foremost, do you know Jesus? Because it will be useless for me to cast out the devil right now. Right? And he'll leave. As soon as I leave, he'll come right back in. So do you know Jesus? Number two, what do you have in your life that you need to repent of? Because we're the ones that create open doors. Have you messed with that Ouija board? Get away from that stuff. That opens up portals for the enemy to come and harass you and harass your family. Have you messed with that Chango stuff? Get away from that. That's a lie from the pit of hell. That does not belong in your house. Somebody blessed something, a little statue, and gave it to you. Throw that thing away. And if your family mess with that stuff, you take authority like Daniel did. Daniel stood on behalf of Israel. He said, Father, I repent for everything that all of us have done. He was a righteous man, but he stood in the gap on behalf of his family. Sometimes we need to stand on behalf of the sins of our family and repent of it. And say, from this, moment, uh, from this moment on, this will not be in my house. In my house, we will serve the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. This is very, very, I have to teach her that. Because I have to go inside. I have to, I have to you know, do a reconnaissance. Do, you have, do I see any glasses of water there? Do I, uh, do I see little fat Buddhas there? I, I, I need to, I, listen, I'm coming to clean house here. Your children aren't going to see anything any, anymore, but we have to get to the root issues. And sometimes it's just, we just have to apologize. We have to repent. To God, I'm not going to have anything to do with that anymore. I repented for the sins of my family. So, Father, me and my family, we've sinned before you. And then whatever I knew, I asked God for forgiveness. And I, now I say, I plead the blood over that situation. Father, from this moment forward, we, we close the door on that. We will not have anything to do with that. Me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Hallelujah. And, and, you know, I appreciate it because later on, my father came to Jesus. Before he passed away, he came to Jesus. My mom, she also received Jesus, actually in the church, in the church here, you know. And, but the point is, I was the first one. Sometimes you're the one that will be the deliverer of your family. You're the one that will go back to your family and bring Jesus to them. Hallelujah. 
You have to be cognizant of that. Amen. You're the resource. So praise and prayer. The next thing is that he also had an altar of peace. An altar of peace. An altar of peace. A peace is vital. Without peace, you can't have anything. You can't have any forward momentum. You can't have a team if you don't have peace. Amen. And so it, by having peace, sometimes you have to go through the confrontation. And the confrontation is one of the most difficult things that you can deal with. In order to have peace, sometimes one has to have confrontation. And that's what Abraham did. Abraham went to the other fellow herdsmen. They were in argument and quarreling. And he went up to him and says, why quarrel? Fine, we can't get along. You take that land, I take this land, but let's be at peace. I want to see you tomorrow. Say, hey, how you doing, partner? How your cows doing? How the sheep? And he knew how important it was to be at peace. And the Bible says the servant of the Lord is a servant of the Lord that has peace. We're not contentious, the Bible says. It's not our nature to be contentious. It's our nature to seek the peace. Amen. The Spirit of God will, will look at, at scenarios that we don't see and show us this is how you're going to get peace. Right. And sometimes the confrontation is sitting down and talking about stuff. You have to do it. Because if you don't, then it'll always remain there. You know that commercial that it shows them people, the meeting and they're talking and there's like an 800 pound gorilla sitting there. And everybody's talking about issues, but they're ignoring the big 800-pound gorilla. And what that signifies is we're not dealing with the real root issue. Yes. Amen. So we have to be people that have to deal with the root issue because once you deal with the root, then you won't ever have that fruit anymore. Amen. Cut the bad root, you won't have the bad fruit. Amen. Hallelujah. So that's another thing he did. He, he sought the peace. And the last one was the altar of provision uh, in Genesis 29 with Isaac. God, God gave him a beautiful lamb or a beautiful a ram in a thicket, right? But he was about ready to kill his own son. Because God had said, give me your son, sacrifice your son. And when he was about ready, God said, no, I was just testing your heart. I provided for you. The Lord God who provides. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God, my provider. God is my provider. I know I have a supervisor, but God's my provider. I know I have a business, but God is my provider. I lost my job. That's all right. God is my provider. And I'm making enough right now, but that's all right. God's my provider. And guess what? He's also the owner of all the gold and the silver. I know for a fact that I don't see what he sees. And my provision's around the corner because I know that God's going to show me a strategy that I don't see right now. I don't possess it now. It's not in here. It's going to come from the Spirit of God who's going to give me the wisdom, the strategy to be able to overcome my current situation. He is my provider. And he'll provide for all my needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus our Lord. Make no mistake about it. God is interested in your situation. He knows what it is to be practical. God himself, I mean, or rather, Jesus himself in his earthly ministry one time told Peter, Peter, go fishing. And when you fish, you're going to, well, the first fish you come up, open up his mouth, you're going to see a coin there. Take that coin, pay your taxes. For all you fishermen out there, I'm not saying that every fish you get, you're going to get money out of it. What I'm saying is it was a specific situation. The Why? Because Peter was a fisherman. And, and Jesus sent him to what he knew. God will always work with what you know. That's why it's important for, for you to stop dishonoring what you know. Because what do you have in your hand? That's what God will bless. What is your tendencies, your abilities, your, your proclivities? What, 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 do you, what gets you angry? 
that's usually an indicator of part of your purpose. So why fight yourself? Ask God to show you what's already there that has great value that you haven't seen yet. Stop fighting yourself. You know? Luke, use the force. <laughs> Only Star Trek, uh, Star what? Star Only Star Wars <laughs> understand that. Especially that's the old one. The Star Trek is, is another thing. But in, in other words, we already have an authority, a sphere of authority, and yet we don't value it. So because we don't value it, we don't find the gold that is there. There was one time a story I, I read in a book, in Acres of Diamonds. It's just a, 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 it's a positive thinking book, but I liked it. But it was about this guy. He's looking for fame and fortune, so he sells his land, the land of his father, right? And he goes out to seek his fortune. And he went out, he went penniless, and he died. And the guy that bought his land, and he found out when they dug, is that there were acres of diamonds inside the land. My man sold his property for nothing, practically, to go seek riches, and the riches were always right where he was at all along. Yeah, true story. And that's what we do. We, we look at ourselves and, eh, nothing. No, not true. The Bible says you're his masterpiece, Ephesians 2.10. God will provide right where you're at. You just have to see it. You have to break away from that limit. When, when, when your brain tells you, no, not enough, that's a lie. It's, it's an idea that was planted there in the past. It's not the truth. It's just a recurring theme that you have to just get rid of. And, and start chasing, or rather, start walking with God. And any time that thing comes back to you, say, shut up. I'm going to de declare God's word. That's why God told Joshua, meditate on my word every day. Don't meditate on your own stuff, on your, the nonsense, on the past, on the past failures. Meditate on my word, and you'll make your way successful. Yes, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. And Moses, Moses refused to go forward unless God's presence went with him. Yes. Exodus chapter 33. He said, Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone look that you look favorably on me, on me and your people, if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. Moses said, your presence doesn't go with me, I'm not going. That's how committed he was to follow God. Are we following God that way? So some of the practical things that we can do, let me give you that. Number one is you need to catch a revelation that there is an option. Stop believing the lie that it is what it is. This is me, it's the way I am, it's the way I was created, it's my attitude, I can't change. That's a lie. Right. You can change. Right. God will give you the strength to change. God will give you the wisdom to do you know, things in the future. Like for example with me, God says prepare for internet. My brain would tell me, you don't know how to deal with that stuff. Literally, I want to fight with my brain. And today, I actually do devotionals. Uh, Julio taught me how to be able to do a daily devotional, and it gets set up automatically. I set up the date. I develop several electronic products. Uh, we, we, we can do a, an entire course. All you have to do is go in there, buy it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 
and you can enjoy your course. I give you a gift, an electronic book. Where in the world was I ever going to do that? The day I accepted that I can. Amen. See, you have to see that you can with God's help. But you have to break through a limit. And that limit is your own mind is going to fight against you for a moment. It's going to tell you, you don't know how to do that. It becomes almost like your own worst enemy. You have to push through that. Yes, I can. And I'm not going to stop until I break through. So you have to understand in your heart of hearts that there is an option. As long as we think that this is the way it's going to be, we'll never get a change. Remember John 5? Every single year the man was waiting for what? For somebody to help him. And yet Jesus came in and says, I'm going to do it now. He was waiting for a season, but God was saying, I'm here now. Think about this. Jesus went to the fig tree. Look for fruit didn't find fruit but that was obvious it was not the season for the figs but yet I curse you tree nobody shall leave from you ever again isn't that a paradox why are you blaming the tree because there was a teaching behind it there was a teaching behind it he comes back the tree's you know dead basically and the disciples say, oh my god the, the tree that you cursed is dead because that tree represents the church And the church is comprised of people that are always looking for a future moment, for a future season to get something. It was like that blind man, or not the blind man, the, the lame man. He was waiting for a season where God would move. Jesus shows up and says, I am your season. Hallelujah. And I'm ready now. This is not for some future thing. Now. When he went to the fig tree, he said, I'm going to give these men a teaching. Even though, according to the natural, it's not a season, I demand season right now. I demand that this thing produce now. My church is not a church of season. My church is now. Faith is now. God wants to move in your life now. If you embrace the promises of God, God will move in your life now. That's how come many people, that when they touch them and they receive the miracle, he says, your faith has saved. Or your faith has made you whole. He didn't say, I heal you. He said, your faith made you whole. And some of you have been waiting for a season that God will move. And God is saying, he shows up to you now. So, Do you want it now? Because my kingdom is now. My power is here for you now. My grace is here now. God wants to break through now. While you're waiting for the moving of the water, while you're waiting for the great revival, while you're waiting for that special moment, Jesus just showed up. While you're waiting for a season, I am declaring that you're going to bear fruit now. Hallelujah. So we have to understand that when the kingdom of God comes in, forget season. Faith is now. Faith is, it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So God wants to do now. He's showing up at that tree. He says, I want fruit and I want it now. Hallelujah. Once, once we accept it, that we're created by God with success built in our DNA, we need to categorically reject any lie. Identify the lie that you have. You know the lies that you have had to deal with. Reject them. Begin to declare God's truth every day. This has to become a passion for you. 
Really, it does. If it's not a passion, it won't work. His promises uh, and your emotion, you have to put it inside you. Declare it every day. That's what I do every day. Practical. Father, I thank you. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it today. This is the day. Every day I say, this is the day. I look for miracles today. I I look for provision today. I look for wisdom today. Because God is a God of today. And he's already released it. It's not something for the future. It's now. The kingdom of God is among you. Hallelujah. The next thing is we have to be patient with ourselves. Because you didn't develop that mindset in a day. So as you break it, it's going to take a little time. But it's okay because you can be patient with yourself. God's patient with you. I I retweeted or I I sent something that that said something in the essence that don't worry that you've messed up because God can take even what you messed up and forgive you. He has no problem with that. Something like that. He he has no problem with that. He, He knows we make mistakes. He has no problem correcting what you messed up. We have to be patient with ourselves. Some of us, were too hard on ourselves. Be loving. The Bible says love God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself, right? But if you look at uh, Ephesians chapter 5, it says we have to love our wives as we love ourselves. So I cannot love anybody else if I don't love myself. What, 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 it's not a self-absorbed love. It's an appreciation of who God made you to be. Look at myself and say, Father, thank you that you made me. With all these shortcomings, with all these errors, with all these mistakes, you still made me. And your spirit is within me. And therefore, I have purpose, I have destiny, I'm special, I'm precious. You got to tell that to yourself. You're you're his masterpiece. Just declare his word. Your body will fight you. Your mind will fight you. No, you know your mess. You know exactly what you've done. You messed up here, there. I mean, it'll bring you a whole litany of things. Yes. Yeah, but that's the past. The Bible says I'm a new creation in Christ. Yes. Yes. So I'm not going to focus on that anymore. Yes, I know in the past I was a horrible sinner. I was terrible. I made mistakes. Yeah, all that's true. But praise God, I'm a new creation yes. in Christ. Yes. That's the past. Your friends that know you a long time, they come up to you, hey, I know, who, I know exactly who you are. You want to be this man of God or this woman of God. He says, well, I am. I am a man of God. I am a woman of, you know, ladies, woman of God. They don't understand that God changed you. You have a new DNA now. Hallelujah. Practical, but be patient with yourself. The next thing you can do is build on your new perspective by finding and memorizing other scriptures that speak about your new perspective. Where are you at? What level? Find verses and declare them every day. As as a practical, or rather on a practical note, every day I share several chapters or several verses to myself. The Lord's Prayer, Psalms 23. Another one that I'm bringing in is Psalms 91. What is it that you're dealing with? find verses that agree with your future and your destiny, with what God has placed, you know, that prophetic picture and declare them to yourself every day. So you have to, because that's like vitamins to your faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can't get enough on a Sunday. What I'm sharing with you is not enough. You need something on Monday, something on Tuesday, something on Wednesday, something on Thursday, something on Friday. 
We need that. We need vitamins every day, spiritual vitamins, the Word of God. What did God tell Joshua? Meditate on my Word every day. What did Jesus say? Every day, pray this, our Father who art in heaven. Every day we need to pray that. Build on your new perspective. Um, the, the fourth thing is study yourself and be brutally honest. Be brutally honest. What are your strong gifts? What are your weak areas? Don't, don't try to change that. Build on your strengths. And the weak areas, yeah, you could shore them up, but let other people handle the weak areas. See, for me, I have a mercy gift. What does that mean? That means uh, you could deceive me easily. I'm a little better now. But years ago, man, anybody would tell me they could mess me up, and they did. So you know what I do now? If, if there's something that's challenging me, I will get those around me that have a more stronger prophetic view than I do. Because I'm so caught up with the, the mercy, you know. How can we help? And I will ask them, pray with me on this because I, I don't want to miss something. Because I, I know that that's not a strong suit of mine. In the areas that I'm strong, I know. But I've already made a, I made a self-assessment. I'm not trying to fool myself. And our problem is many times we fool ourselves into thinking we're not what we are or we are what we're not. And another thing is, is that people see you differently than you see yourself. I'm, I'm guaranteeing you that. Sure. The way you see yourself and the way you think others view you is not the way other people view you. Yes. That's right. I can guarantee you that. That's true. It blew me away years ago when I worked with Promise Keepers. There was a form they had us fill out. It was for a person, personal profile. Yes. It was scary. It was real thick. And they gave me the results. This is how Victor views himself. And I read it and said, yeah, that's who I am. This is how Victor thinks people view him. I went, yeah, exactly. And this is how other people view Victor. And that's when I started getting offended. <laughs> and it was uncanny and it was scary. The way they read my mail. How do you get that just by answering 200 questions? They have a way. And I looked at it, and I had to be brutally honest. I said, oh, my God, I didn't know people saw me this way. How does Victor like to work with people? What's the best arena for Victor to work in? What is the most difficult? What are the arenas that Victor doesn't like working in? And I looked at it and said, oh, my God, this is scary. <laughs> and it was embarrassing. But I had to introspect. I had to say, you know, that's true. I really have been shielding myself from this. But when I saw this, then I realized, wow, I have to work in this area then. Because I thought that people saw me this way, yet they're seeing me another way. So now I'm saying to you, you have to be brutally honest with yourself. Otherwise, you're going to blame other people for all your issues. You're going to make excuses for stuff. And yet, some areas are your fault. Do I have those? You know, I don't have the questions, but I still have that profile. I have to take it out every once in a while and read it and go, <laughs> no, I don't have that. That's, it, it costs Promise Keepers a lot of money for each staff member. And, and I, I, would, I would, huh? I don't, I don't know. I guess when I went over to Colorado Springs, we worked together, you know, for Promise Keepers. She, she oversaw the office, and I was a regional director. 
And so we were able to see a lot of wonderful people, leaders in the kingdom of God. Uh, we also experienced the 1994, no, 1996, I think, Stand in the Gap. And also the 45,000 men coming with their children to worship God at Shea Stadium. Amazing, amazing time. But think about it. What are the things that are bringing you down? You have to look at that. And you have to sometimes kill that in order for you to move forward. Be brutally honest with yourself and you will be able to grow and break through the limits. And also, sometimes you just can't. You try and you can't. So fast and pray. And in the fasting and praying, ask God to show you any iniquities or issues that you have not seen about yourself until this point. We have to fast and pray. When you fast and pray, God will show you things that you won't see on your own. And this is the one that will really hurt also. Ask your mentors if they have seen anything about you that needs change. Don't ask them if you're not ready to get insulted. No, I mean that. I mean that. I remember one, one, of the, one of the brothers that used to come to this church. He says, Pastor, I want to work with you. I said, Amen. Good. Uh, tell me, what do I need? Well, what do I need to change? I said, You're not ready for that. Don't worry about it. Just, let's walk together for a while. Just, just stay next to me about it. Let's, let's just hang out for a while. Let's pray together, build together. But, you know, no, 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 no. I need for you to speak into my life. Let me know what are the things I need change. I said, Brother, you're not ready for that yet. I'm sorry. I can't, I can't do it. He kept on pestering me. He kept on bothering me. He wanted that. It's okay. Fine. Uh, okay. Let's start with your family life. <laughs> I just started going boom, boom, boom. One after the other. He never came back to the church. He left. My man left, man. All I saw was the smoke. <laughs> I told you you weren't ready. So I'm saying wait till you're ready emotionally. Because what your mentors are going to tell you, your mentors aren't interested so much on your, on your comfort. They're, they're, they're interested in your future. And there are some things that you're dragging around. You don't see them, but it's like you have a chain, a ball and chain. You look back. What is that? No, it's just me. It's just the way I am. And your mentors, meanwhile, they have a bolt cutter. Cut that thing right off you. Change your perspective. If we want to, we can we don't have to. We could continue living the same way you want to. When they see the epithet, 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 how do you say it? Epithet, tomato, tomato, epithet, epithet. You know, your tombstone, the words. He lived, he died. Hmm? The dash. Yeah, that's, that's what really makes. But you see some epithets. He lived, and he did this for community. He blessed his family. He built this for us. You know, that bridge, that building, whatever it may be. And people honor some people for what they did. Other ones, he lived, and he died. It's up to you. You got just a little line, or you got a lot said about you in the future. When you go to glory, you're not going to care anymore, because you can be in the presence of Jesus. Everybody that goes to heaven and comes back, they all say the same thing. I didn't want to come back. It's precious. It's pure. It's awesome. But for those of us that are still here, we're still working that out. When we go before Jesus, when we bow the knee before Jesus, what is he going to state to us? Is he going to say good and faithful servant? 
you accomplish my purposes in your lifetime? What is he going to say? So we have to be very careful right now because this year is a year of decision. It's a year where there's, you, you could see it. It's like a marked, a, like a demarcation. People are, are, are in one camp, other people are in another camp. It's not about that. The enemy is creating that. The enemy is the one that creates division. In the kingdom of God, there's unity. And wherever there is an issue, we work it out. We work through it. But yourself, are you ready to have your perspective change? Are you comfortable where you're at? And for those of you that are online right now, I say the same thing. Are you comfortable? Or are you ready for change? But that means you have to make some serious decisions. Quality, serious decisions that are going to mark your future. Are you going to walk with God? Or are you going to continue listening to the people? <clears throat> are you one of the ones that will say, we can't do it, the giants, the giants, the giants? Or are we going to say, that's food for us. We can do great things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The first thing we need to do is we have to receive Jesus. So if you're looking at me right now, through the internet, maybe recording, if you haven't received Jesus, the best thing, the most effective thing you could do is receive Jesus because he adopts you into his family. And once he, you're adopted into the family, he gives you a new DNA. He gives you his wisdom. He gives you his spirit. And then from there, you begin the, a new journey. All things are new, the Bible says. Those of you here that haven't received Jesus yet, same thing. Same thing applies. Best thing you could do. If you aren't certain about that relationship, you come forward in a little bit. We'll pray with you. Make sure that is set. Once that is set, it's the beginning of a whole new season and phase of your life.